Hello, Spookies. Christina here. We have a really fun episode. We teamed up with Cuento Crimen Podcast and told them a paranormal story, and they told us a true crime story. I do apologize for my audio. At some points, you will hear my baby as well. It just sounds a little off, but it was still a very fun episode. I do want to let our Spanish challenge friends that the Cuento Crimen portion of this is very Spanish-heavy compared to our usual episodes. Uh, but you'll hear our part first and then their part. I hope you enjoy. Stories, folklore, legends, leyendas, cuentos, y más. This is Spooky Tales. Listen, escuchen, at your own risk. Christina. And this is MJ. And today we have a very special episode. We have the amazing Cuento Crimen podcast here with us, and they're going to tell us a true crime story. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourselves. Hey everyone, I'm Jahaira. Hola a todos, I am Stephanie. And we are Cuento Crimen. <laughs> <laughs> excited to be here. Yes, very excited to have you guys. Oh, before we start, if you want to tell um, everyone about your podcast, I am a fan. Sorry, my baby's here. <laughs> he's, a, he's a fan too. That's why he's <laughs> But yeah, go ahead and tell us about your podcast. So we are a true crime podcast. We cover our cases in Spanglish. Um, pero también tenemos episodios um, en español. And we cover cases that don't have that much media attention. Which is why usually our episodes are pretty short. But it's just like these cases don't have much information on them you know it's just like this right. and then it, it goes into a cold case and that's about it mm -hmm. uh, which is really sad yeah yeah that's yeah that's what we do over there at Cuento Crimen yeah so definitely give them a listen it's it's important to hear about these cases that nobody else is covering because it's always the same ones you know <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah the same mm -hmm. same white people yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, MJ's going to disappear at some point as well. <laughs> Just letting everyone know. So in case y'all don't hear me at the end giving my thoughts, <laughs> that's why. But I'm here right now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> She's going to go watch Spider-Man. <laughs> oh, I heard it's really good. No spoilers. <laughs> um, okay. Well, if you do leave, MJ, it was really nice to virtually meet you. Mm -hmm. And um, thank you so much for having us. <laughs> Thank you for inviting us. I had so much fun doing this collab. All right. Well, what's the story? <laughs> uh, so we're taking you to the infamous San Pedro haunting. Mm -hmm. This haunting took place over a course of three years. In 1988, Jackie Hernandez was going through a very difficult time in her life. Pregnant with her second child and going through a messy divorce, Jackie moved into a rental house at 593 West 11th Street, San Pedro, California. She was working multiple jobs and going to school part-time with a very stressful personal life. Wow, that's <laughs> a lot. At first, things she was experiencing in her home weren't anything harmful. She would feel like she was being watched, like there was someone right behind her, but when she would turn around, there was no one. Several months passed and the activity became more noticeable. The activity at first was small. Things would disappear and reappear in different areas of the house. There would be knocking and banging heard, weird smells, things she could still rationalize. Her ex-husband's home burned down and temporarily moved in with her. And that's when the activity started picking up. One night, things took a turn. Her ex-husband was sitting next to her desk and her friend was sitting down watching TV. As she walked towards her desk, a pencil holder that was on the table started to levitate, then flew at her. Al, her ex, and her just stared at him. It was like someone had thrown it at her. She was so terrified that she ran out of her home with her son and called the police, according to, to events. I would, too. Ooh, yeah, <laughs> I would be like, no. Yeah, the police were not exactly happy with her story. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They didn't believe her. We'll just they're probably like, there. why are you calling us, loser? <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, how do you, 
explain that. You know, like, oh, this dog just flew at me. Yeah, they were not happy. <laughs> so soon after, Jackie had her neighbor, Susan Castañeda, over. The two were having dinner when they heard a painting that was hung in a separate room fall. When both women went to see what happened, the painting was five feet away from where it was originally. On a different occasion, Susan claims to have witnessed the lamp float seven, cr- seven feet across the room before falling at her Ooh, feet. I would like to say that Jackie has a ride or die because no. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, bye. Nice knowing uh, you. Anyway, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, um, bye. <laughs> Don't contact me ever. Yeah. <laughs> One night, Jackie and her friend were cooking when they saw orbs of light float around the room. Jackie tried to take a picture of the orbs. When doing so, she saw the face of an old man staring at her through the window. She went outside to investigate, but no one was there. Jackie, Jackie's ex-husband advised her to call the spirits out. Susan told Jackie's landlord about the events, and he suggested seeking help from a priest. However, the priest was not helpful. He claimed her home wasn't haunted, but instead that she was possessed by the devil. Oh, my God. It was her. Yeah. <laughs> She's the problem. That's not surprising. Problem. <laughs> that would make me feel worse yeah. to know that it's me. Oh, and it gets worse. The priest makes things worse. The priest ended up calling yeah. CPS, Child Protective Services. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Wow. Yeah. Believing that she was using hallucinogenic drugs while pregnant. The birth of her daughter escalated the activity. She claims that blood-like substance began to ooze from the walls one night. Uh, After having a conversation with a friend who who found money in the attic of the house she lived in left by the previous tenants, Jackie wanted to check to see if the previous tenants didn't leave any money. She took a peek into the attic. When she looked in, in it, she opened the, what is that called? A little you know the like attic a trap the like a door that is it like the doors that you push like up the, yeah like the trap door thing yeah when she looked in she saw a severed head of an old man she was so terrified she fell back and into her kitchen Ooh, imagine you open up you see a man. No. <laughs> no i mean on top of it's like the attic so you know it, you have to climb to get there so you're falling a good yeah <laughs> Yeah, that that's gotta hurt. On one, <laughs> yeah, that's gotta hurt. <laughs> On one occasion, while she was bringing in groceries, she noticed that her magnetic le- letters on her refrigerator spelled "Get the hell out." Ooh. This is where I'm not too sure <laughs> oh, what the wow. correct version of series of events. One source says that she saw a dark mist appear and float through the room and then disappear, prompting her to check on her children, where she witnessed an old man sitting. On the bottom bunk, staring at her. That's casual. <laughs> and, and another source says later that night she could hear a raspy breathing. She followed the sound into her son's bedroom, where she witnessed what described as an old man sitting next to her son. Oh no! And in both versions, this old man is describing as having red eyes and like an evil stare. Oh my god. I'm getting goosebumps. Like, yeah. I feel like someone's watching me do it now. <laughs> and it was around this time with the incident with her children that a friend suggested she contact parapsychologist Barry Taft. And mm-hmm. um Barry Taft was famous for his investigation into the Doris Bither case from the mid-70s. And this case went on to inspire the movie Entity. So he had this man that they were contacting had, you know, a lot of experience with the paranormal. Oh, I will say I probably walked by this house all the time and didn't even realize it because I used to spend a lot of summers in San Pedro. That's where I have family there. And they lived on West 14th Street. And back then we used to just walk everywhere. Like there was a Taco Bell down the street. The Vons store, it was like a Walgreens. So I'm pretty sure I walked by this house. I didn't know it at the time. I wonder if people live in there right now. Like I wonder. Uh, yeah, I think they changed. Um, they changed the address because now I was going to say that, up, the, that address doesn't exist. It's a one. There's no three. That's so um, creepy. What was it again? 
It was like it ended uh, in three, right? West Eleventh Street. That's yeah, now job. there is no five nine three. It's five nine one, and then it skips past mm-hmm. the three. Yeah. So. No, <laughs> because I'm pretty sure, like the tenant, like whoever lived in there after her, was probably like counted by a lot of people who wanted to do paranormal investigations. Yeah. Or- oh. Probably, yeah. Um, but yeah, it gets worse after the investigators arrive. Yes, and Barry Taft, he's got like 25, at the time, 25 years of investigating paranormal things. He had like 3,000 cases under his belt. Um, and he agreed to take on uh, Jackie Hernandez's case because it intrigued him. So on August 8th, 1989, Barry Taft and three investigators went to interview Jackie. Uh, upon entering the house, they all noticed a foul odor, and no one could locate the source. the ch- The team brought all their equipment: cameras, uh, image intensifiers, infrared detectors, uh, the whole enchilada, one could say. <laughs> While the team interviewed Jackie, the paranormal activity began immediately. They heard pounding coming from the attic. And uh, Taft, Barry Taft, described this like a 200-pound rat running around the oh attic. Um, they, yeah. Rat, right? Down, I mean, even if there's loud. no ghost, ew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like the rat alone, ew. <laughs> they also described a sensation of what they called overpressure, which is like a feeling of being underwater. And they, the team said this is often felt at haunted locations. Which I, I didn't know. know. Yeah, I didn't um, know. I had no idea. Yeah. yeah. So later that same day, the photographer Barry Conrad and cameraman Jeff Weecraft went into the attic, and Conrad was taking pictures up there when suddenly he was pushed, and the camera was snatched from him and thrown down. When he went to pick it up, the lens had been separated from the camera, and they were the only two up there. So obviously, like, who did this? Right? Mm. It was the ghost. Mm-hmm. it was yeah it was (laughs) that reminds me there's an urban legend in in the sacramento tunnels of uh rat people (laughs) (laughs) we'll have to uh, cover that one day (laughs) um uh, but back to this 200 pound rat (laughs) yeah right So after that occurred, the team left for the night, but they maintained contact with Jackie. So then they returned on September 4th. And this time, Weecraft, the cameraman, he had a running with the entity that was a lot worse. So him and a different photographer, Gary Boehm, were in the attic again, taking pictures and filming, when suddenly a clothesline was wrapped around Weecraft's neck. Oh, my God. No. He, yeah. And he was, like, pulled up. And the <gasps> the other guy, Gary, went to help him. And so um, there's a picture of this. It, obviously, things can be faked, right? But they, they said they took this picture when this happened. After that day, Wheatcraft, the cameraman, refused to set foot in the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would yeah. too. <laughs> um, once the paranormal investigators left for good after that day, the activity, activity worsened. So one night, the entities began playing with uh, Jackie's son's toys to, I guess, gain her attention. Um, so it threw a beach ball. And when Jackie went to go pick it up, she was grabbed by an invisible hand that pinned her down and she couldn't breathe. When she was finally free, she grabbed the bat, ran to the attic and yelled and yelled until the entity materialized before her. Um, And so naturally, she was horrified. She got her children and they all left. And so in an attempt to flee from these hauntings, Jackie took her two kids and got back with her ex-husband and they moved to Weldon, California. And for some time, things were okay. Life was like back to normal. It was calm. She started feeling comfortable in her new home. And she really believed that she had left uh, these entities or ghosts back in her old San Pedro house. But then, within a few weeks of moving in, the marriage began having problems again, and her husband just, you know, up and left. And then the paranormal activity began again as soon as he left, which is weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One night, she was, um, 
her two neighbors were helping Jackie move a TV into her storage shed. And then suddenly the face of the old man appeared on the screen. And obviously the TV was unplugged and off because they were moving it into the shed. And two people witnessed this happening. And it was the same face as the attic and the window. So, ew. It followed her? Yes, it followed her. Maybe the priest was on the same night. There was, oh, (laughs) right? Yeah, she left her home, right? The San Pedro house. Mm -hmm. And she's now in a different city, but it's happening again. And she's seeing the same face. That same night, there was nonstop pounding coming from the shed as if something were trying to get out. She called, uh, yeah, it's mm, no, no, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) But moving is apparently not the answer here. (laughs) she called barry taft and the team and they went uh they made the drive to her house and when they arrived they found that none of their electronic equipment was working as soon as they would turn it on it would just shut off immediately even though it was working before they left the team came to the conclusion that the their normal investigative uh, materials would not work and so they brought out a ouija board and no. during their seance, they contacted, oh. yeah, never, never, that's never good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in the transcript, Jackie wrote down some of the things. And one question they asked, how long have you been trapped in the spirit world? And it answered 60 years. Another one, uh, did you die in, San, in the San Pedro house? No. Where did you die? San Pedro Bay. Did you drown? No, I was held underwater. Did you live in the San Pedro house? My murderer lived there. Ooh. So that's why he oh. was in the house, apparently. Oh, man. Yeah. Like, even 10 times more spooky. This is why you have to, like, ask for, like, the yeah. history of the house oh. that you're buying. <laughs> like, was, did anybody Yes, yeah. Here? And then do, like, a limpieza when you move yes. into yeah. a new house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, like, like a custom. And I, I feel like some people get a priest to come over and be, like, blessing everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, get rid of this juju. Whatever it is. Get it. so scary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so during the seance, the table was shaking uncontrollably, uncontrollably. And when the session ended, the same photographer that had been choked, Weecraft, was pushed against the wall. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> Poor guy. He can't catch your breath. That ghost did not like him. Yeah. <laughs> um and they discovered uh, during the seance that the reason this ghost didn't like him is because he looked like the guy that murdered him. Oh, it was triggering the ghost. <laughs> yes, his face was triggering him. <laughs> during the seance, they discovered that the entity had been born in 1912 and died in 1930 in the San Pedro Bay. And when they went after the seance, they went and researched old newspapers, and they came to the conclusion that this was a seaman, 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 navy, a navy person, <laughs> Herman Hendrickson. <laughs> I'm so mature. Anyway, he'd been, uh, he'd been found floating in the San Pedro Bay under a pier on March 25th, 1930. Some of the details of Hendrickson didn't match the information Jackie had from the seance. But she didn't sway from believing that Herman Hendrickson was the entity haunting her. They also came to the conclusion that the old man Jackie kept seeing in the San Pedro home was the original owner, John Damon, who passed away in the house uh, on his way to the bathroom. Oh, very specific. Yeah, I had a heart attack or something. They they didn't specify how he died. He just said he was on his way to the bathroom. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but after the seance the activity calmed down it's almost like herman hendrickson just wanted his story heard uh jackie believed that both ghosts found their peace after the seance and moved on she moved back to the la area during this time and did visit her old san pedro house and she claims that she saw an orb leave the old home and travel to a cemetery and then it settled over a tombstone with the name John Damon, almost movie-like. Mm. <laughs> um, Barry Taft believes that Jackie's mental state, her marriage troubles, and stress made it easy for the negative spirits to attach themselves to her. And he had never seen 
an entity follow a person this many times. But four years after the hauntings, Jackie says her daughter doesn't remember any of it. Her son is doing okay, um, was doing okay at the time. I don't know about now. And hopefully they're all okay, right? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> she's doing better. And so they were all doing better. But now she's more afraid of dying than before the hauntings because she believed the, whole, the ghosts that were haunting her were living in hell. Oh. Mm. Yep. Never and that, that is that the way, case of yeah. Jackie Hernandez. Right? That's so scary yeah. and creepy. Huh, that's, I wonder, because you guys uh, were saying how... Um, like they told her that supposedly like the like that was attached to her. Yeah. But then like once you find out about who like these ghosts were, it seemed like they came from the house. But it's like it's interesting how and why they got attached to, to her. her. You know, but from what I hear, there's theories that like you could just be walking down the street. And if you come by a spirit, they're just like that one and they stick to you. So maybe it's like what you and then you the have house, to be like susceptible to it. Yeah, that too. Like, like the guy was saying that that she was in like a such a negative, um, like poor her, right? Like it's yeah. not her fault. She was going. I don't. I mean, I don't know the situation of the divorce, but yeah. those are like life stresses for anyone. But it's like, yeah, because you were having all this stress, these ghosts were haunting you. <laughs> you uh, positive true. about was... your divorce, okay? Yeah, <laughs> a vulnerable, stage. Yeah, vulnerable <laughs> stage. And the ghosts got comfortable, yeah. which I I've heard of that before too. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That, yeah. I don't know what I would do if that was her. I know. It's so <laughs> also, scary. It was interesting, like, the fact that yeah. they wouldn't really be around whenever she would get back, like, with her ex-husband. Right? Because there's, like, that one time that he came right. back, and, like, it all stopped, and then as soon as he left, like, oh, it's back again. That's interesting. Maybe she was in a happier yeah. stage. Oh, maybe. You know? Yeah. Or maybe the ghost was, like, scare the male presence, or I don't know. Because I know in the first one, or, when he moved both. in with her, it's where when it started getting like negative. But I think maybe like, again, it would like it led to them getting together and maybe a more positive part of her life. And yeah. then probably why they couldn't feed off her negativity or her negative energy. I don't know. Who knows? Who understands? Yeah, it? maybe. My, yeah. Me. Just theories. <laughs> And it's a good, th- it's a good theory to live by though. Like, you know, you, once you are happy and you're radiating that energy, like no one can take that from you. Yeah. You know? yeah. So. There's also a thing that, um, yeah. women, it's said that women cause poltergeist. There's like this thing, um, oh, that, uh, poltergeist are that. often seen the most with teenage girls around. What? And women often mm, tend to be weird. the ones to like do like um to bring in poltergeists. So I've heard theories on this case that it was in fact Jackie's energy that was causing all this. So oh. also when she was pregnant like, women are more susceptible to the paranormal. And she was don't pregnant. say that. <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> oh, it's okay. I was pregnant twice and I didn't see anything. <laughs> I mean, true. I've been pregnant for seven months. I haven't seen anything. So. Okay. So, <laughs> probably fine. Uh, and I point. shall keep my mouth shut. <laughs> yeah, you're, but you're always and I shall keep <laughs> that's true that is true <laughs> that is so true which speaking of i saw a shadow person last night that was fun oh my god i'm just gonna tell you that too I'm like you have seen a lot of most uh shadow people huh yeah i do i saw one yesterday when i was like putting away the groceries and i'm like oh are you hungry or what <laughs> <laughs> i have a lot of friends you better pay half of this grocery bill <laughs> <laughs> pay your rent <laughs> the, thing is, the good thing is that you're not scared of them and you can just shake it off you know yeah i don't i don't know they don't bother me they're annoying they're annoying. <laughs> you're just like here we go again can you at least mop i know all right well that was it thank you for sharing that story yeah. with us i had not heard you're welcome but I feel like I just there's just so many um paranormal stories yeah I don't know I get really scared (laughs) I get really scared so I'm not gonna sleep tonight yeah might not sleep tonight (laughs) so today we do have a case from Latin America I'm sure many of you all have heard of it but just in case there's some that haven't, we decided to cover La Mata Viejitas case. 
Nice. Yes, I am familiar. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Not to, it's make, a, not to make a crime sound like it's good, but. Yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting one. Very it's interesting. Name, like, yeah, the like name that. is very suiting for this person. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. So we always like to start off our episodes with some background information on the person. And um, in this case, we um, will talk a lot about her upbringing because it does lead to what she did and her name, La Mata Vijitas. Mm-hmm. So to start off, her legal name was actually Juana de Yanara Barraza. Um, and like fun fact, her middle name de Yanara was actually supposed to be my middle name too oh. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and it's not like a common name you know so when I read that I was like whoa but what are the chances there exactly right <laughs> uh but anyway so Juana nació el 27 de diciembre um in the year 1957 um and she was born in Hidalgo Mexico which is just north of Mexico City I'm not too good with geography, so I'm I'm still not too sure exactly where that's at. But you know, just to paint a picture for those of you who are, yeah, <laughs> um, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, her mother was Justa Samario, who was an alcoholic, and her father was Trinidad Basara, a police officer. We read that her father abandoned her mother, la mamá de Juana, and that he left on the day that Juana was born, and he took her little brother with him. Oh. Yeah, really sad. And so three months later, her mother, and along with Juana, they moved to um, they moved to Mexico DF. Y su madre se dedicó a las labores domésticos um, y tuvo dos hijos with another man. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of yeah. This case is pretty intense. So you know, a trigger warning, right? Yeah. Juana tenía prohibido salir a la calle o ir a la escuela. Like she was not allowed to do those things oh. because of her stepfather. He thought that like women had no need to go study because oh like God. they were going to be like housewives. Yeah. I know. Like what like, the heck? Yeah. 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 Ugh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It gets even worse because esta, um, Juana, she was actually tortured by her mother physically and verbally. Um, oh. But her stepfather did not know. And so in a way, like, she actually saw him as her protector. Just kind of interesting. Interesting, yeah. Justa, la mamá era alcohólica, as we mentioned before. And, you know, it is a chronic disease. Like, we do have to say that. But mm-hmm. still, like, it's just not enough to, like, justify what she did to her daughter, you mm-hmm. know? Right. Like, Justa, la mamá, like, is a whole other issue that we can, like, dissect and get into. But, like, we're just going to try to stay on stay track. track. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because it, it's just, like, an onion. Like, there's just so much layers. And obviously, like, I feel like if you think about it, the background or the uprising of an individual can explain so much mm-hmm. as to why they did the actions that they did. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So, going back to the case, un dia, um, Justa went to a party. And she actually ended up selling her daughter for three beers. What? Wow. So, you know, Juana was sold. Y ella nomás tenía like 11 or 13 years old. We weren't too sure, like her exact age, but she was like a preteen, you know? Um, and she was sold to a, a man who was like way older than her. Um, and, you know, he would beat, he would tie, and he would rape Juana. Um, and she remained with him actually for a while. And he would you know, again, abuse her constantly. And eventually Juana se embarazó um, and she had her first son. Yeah. We read that I think her mother told everyone that she had like ran away, but, you know, she was the one that sold her. Oh, wow. And yeah, like, and her stepfather didn't know that this was going on. And so when he did find out, like that was about three months after giving birth, los hermanos del padrastro rescued her. Oh, okay. I was I was gonna ask if they just left her over there or if they so that's good at least they Yeah. yeah. <laughs> y la mamá de Juana um, actually ended up dying de cirrosis hep- hepática. Mm-hmm. Hepática, sorry. Uh-huh. Which is basically like just it's you know, disease caused by alcohol abuse, it damages your liver, and then you know the person just kind of passes. Know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Juana was 18 years old when this happened. And obviously, you know, like, they had a rough past. Entonces, when she did pass, Juana says that she felt nothing from her mother's death. Like, it was just kind of like, well, 
Well, yeah, she caused her a lot of trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Older. Like. Yeah. Um, and so at 23 years old, Juana se casó con un señor que se llama Miguel Ángel Barrios. And she had a daughter with him, but um, she wasn't too lucky. And this guy was not good for her because he began to be violent with her. So then she started a new relationship with a man named Felix Juarez. But he too began to be very violent with her. So like, it you know, didn't last long. There's just like a lot of tragic things in her life. Like one after the other one, literally. Yeah, yeah. like it, she can't catch a break. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it just, you know, it sucks because it seems like she just wants to be loved. But everyone she opens up to just yeah. like abuses. They're all trash. Yeah. 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 That's already a lot. But like one of the saddest moments in her life was when her firstborn, Jose Enriquez, was killed during a street fight. And I think he was around like 24, 25. I'm not too sure his age, but he was young. Oh, no. Oh, wow. When she was 30 years old, um, Juana actually started uh, a career as a luchadora. Um, So that's pretty, I don't know, I think that was really interesting. Y ella se hizo llamar la dama del silencio. Mm -hmm. And she really did enjoy this like profession that she found. It makes sense. I feel like you know, she went through a lot. She has like a lot of anger. So she probably like used this as like a, her outlet. yeah, her outlet, you know. And then in one of her matches, she actually got injured pretty badly. And the doctor told her that she might not be able to walk again. And so for that reason, she actually decided to retire. Y ya no más have like no more luchas for her. And so she actually started working as a wrestling promoter. Mm-hmm. So she kind of still stayed in the field, but she wasn't actually like active in the ring. Yeah. A little fast forward. In el año 2003, a series of murders began in la Ciudad de Mexico. At first, they didn't know that they were like connected, mm-hmm. but it was only like older women who were being murdered inside their own homes. Mm-hmm. And like Steph said, like it took a while to connect the crimes together and realize that this was actually a series of murders. Mm-hmm, yeah, they did take other people as suspects when like these murders were happening, but it wasn't them. So they right. you know, let them go. Um, so they never really like had, a, you know, a strong um, suspect. So like the crimes would just keep happening. Yeah. And I feel like it's kind of like. I don't know. It takes time to tie them together. And then that adds even more time to find someone who would actually do this. Yeah. The whole train of them. You know, just like between November 2003 to January 2004, about 23 older women were actually victims of this. That's a lot. Wow. Yeah. wow. 23. Yeah. yeah. Oh and it's my like God. What, four months, right? Yeah. December, December, January. Oh, three months. Wow. Yeah, three months. In a span. Okay. In a span of three months. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, mm-hmm. that that is a lot. I always forget because I listen. I've listened to a few podcasts covering this, and I never mm-hmm. remember the details. So it's like I'm hearing it for the first time again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a lot. And so they started collecting evidence, and in one of the scenes, encontraron como un moño tradicional que usaba this like murder. And they also were collecting fingerprints. And they were able to connect some fingerprints between the crime scenes. Mm-hmm. Like it was a, it was the same fingerprints found within them, but they weren't able to trace it back yet. Yeah, because oh, okay. this person wasn't like in their system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was just like they have this fingerprint that appears in like multiple of these murders. So obviously they're connected, and it's the same person, but they just don't know who yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know this was out of control, and because of that, the police. Implementó un operativo en parques y jardines de la Ciudad de México. You know, so that was kind of like their way to kind of protect those around them. Y allí es donde Juana aprovechaba para tener contacto con mujeres that were older. Yeah, I think like they wanted to like catch her in action, you know. Yeah. I mean, they didn't okay. really know who they were looking yeah, for. When, like, yeah, it was Juana who was like talking to these women, but they knew like whoever it was. Yeah, like that's where I guess they were targeting these older women, which is like at parks and like cardenas around. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. And surprise, surprise, the crimes slowed down during these couple of months. Okay, but that didn't last long though. Oh, <laughs> because, yeah, like it, it slowed down for a little bit, but not completely stopped. Um, the twenty fifth of January of two thousand and six. 
Juana Barraza se levantó and, you know, she prepared breakfast. It was like a regular day. Uh, so she gave breakfast, you know, to her kids, Emma y Jose, quienes se fueron a la escuela. Luego ella, you know, she left her home para ofrecer sus servicios. She was actually like a, a, house, a housekeeper. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, she sent her kids off and she was like, okay, I'm going to go out and do my work, get my money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Y como yeah. a las 11 de la mañana, Juana estaba por la calle, José Jasó, cuando vio a Ana María, una mujer viuda que vivía en una colonia. And I think... Juana assumed that she like lived alone. Mm-hmm. So she found a target. Yeah. And Ana Maria, you know, was just getting back from her grocery shopping. So she had a bunch of bags uh, with her. And, you know, she is an older woman. So even then she's going to like kind of walk kind of slow, you know. Entonces Juana aprovechó y se acercó a ella. And, you know, was just offering her help. And she's like, yeah, I can help carry these bags all the way to your house. You know, like no biggie. Mm-hmm. Cuando estaban afuera del apartamento de Ana María, Juana le comentó que se dedicaba a hacer servicios de lavado y, y de planchado. And Ana María, la mujer de 84 años, le ofreció 22 pesos por lavar una docena de ropa. Pero Juana dijo que era muy poco. And um, I think it is. I mean, that bit. sounds so like, yeah, that's. Yeah. That's so pesos. Yeah, that's like depending on how much like the dollar is, but that's like yeah. not even a dollar. Yeah. No, wow. Not in these times. Yeah. Yeah. Entonces Juana le dijo que era muy poco y le respondió. Entonces Ana María le contestó, así son siempre las gatas quieren ganar demasiado. And <gasps> rude. Damn. That's kind of rude. Yeah. yeah. It, it is rude. Like, and yeah. It's, it's, it's work, you know, and I feel like, I don't know, they always like want to like. ¿Cómo se dice? Like, lowball. Low yeah. yeah like, oh, yes, but yeah, basically, no. And it's like, no, like, como dice, you know, like 22 pesos. It's like, nothing. Yeah. Nothing. That's messed up. Yeah. I'd be offended. Yeah, she okay, was. Juana was very offended. Yes. She took um, it too far, though. Yeah. <laughs> she was, yeah. Because, you know, I mean, she already had something against older women. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, that could have came from, like, her mom's. You know, the relationship that she had with Yeah, like, she had that, like, mother figure yeah. dysfunction. Yeah. I don't know. And then I yeah. think also, like, super side note, so we're not going to go into it, but I think there was also something about, like, how her mom and her grandma kind of had, like, a an altercation with the men. I don't know if this is still her stepfather, but I think, like, they said que estaba con su abuelita, and then he left his grandma to go with her mom. Mm-hmm. So there was oh. just like, I don't know. Yeah, there was like a whole mess, but yeah, yeah. a whole other conversation about this case. But that could have also been like, you know, she just never had like good, um, unquote, um, good anything yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with a mother figure. Yeah. And so, um, you know, like Steph said, like, obviously she got offended by this and she felt so disrespected by the comments that Ana Maria made. And of course, uh, she ended up killing Ana Maria. Yeah. So... She grabbed her and pretty much choked her mm-hmm. until, like, she died. Strangled yeah, her. strangled her. And that's also how she would, like, kill most of her victims. She would just mm-hmm. find, like, objects around and just strangle them. Yeah, like, whatever is, like, near her. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But this was the last crime that she ever made. Yeah. And so right after she committed the crime, Juana escapó. Like right away, pero en el momento que ella salía del, del apartamento, el inquilino de Ana María llegó y en ese momento que Juana se iba saliendo, él iba entrando. Entonces cuando él entró, and he like went inside, he found Ana María muerta. And so he ran out after Juana for like two blocks and uh, luckily se encontró a unos policías. Okay. Yeah, like what were the odds though, you know, that right. she's going to walk in in that moment mm-hmm. to find her. Entonces, ellos pudieron atrapar a Juana, and this happened the 25th of January, which again was when, you know, she killed Ana Maria. Mm-hmm. And all of her victims were women aged 60 or over, and who lived alone, or at least um, were home alone in that moment. Mm-hmm. And she made the old ladies believe that she was a nurse, a social worker, or, or you know, some kind of like someone they could trust. Yeah, mm-hmm. like just offering offering her help, you know, like hey, like I'm here for you, you know, type yeah. of thing. Uh, with like domestic work boys. 
Mm-hmm. But then, you know, once like these women would accept the help and kind of like invite her in, uh, she would then beat, sexually abuse, strangle, and kill these older women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. Please. It's very disturbing. Terrible. Juana fue condenada en el 2008 with 759 years of prison. Que, I know it's yeah. so much, but yeah, es la condena más larga en la historia de México. Wow. Okay. I did not remember that. Wow. That's that's a lot. Yeah. It is. And it's not, I mean, okay, like super side note again, but 759 years, like, do they really think that she's going to live up to 759 years? I don't know. I never, <laughs> right? I never understood those cases that go over like 100 years. I'm just like, it's not, you know, like a human typically. What? It almost feels like it's like sending, trying to send a message, really. Like, right. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> So they also have like this lay, um, this lay, <laughs> this is Spanglish. They also have this um, law that kind of permits like if you have like 50, you know, years, um, you could possibly have, you know, like be let out early or like be let out conditionally. Okay. But, you know, even then, by then she's probably going to be like 98 years old. Yeah. So. I think like you have to complete 50 years of your sentence and then you could be eligible for that okay. but um we're not too sure about that we don't not um, yeah <laughs> that's like a whole other legal well, system like, yeah because here you like years go by and you're eligible for parole yeah i don't know how it works over there yeah yeah exactly and so she was charged with murdering 17 older women but it seems like she's associated with like 40 ish murders Dang. like there's like different articles yeah Mm -hmm. wow it's still a high number yeah Yeah. it's probably one of the highest from all the serial killers yeah that we've covered yeah you know yeah yeah which is i don't know it's just crazy (laughs) Mm -hmm. okay so like fast forwarded to the now you know the present ish (laughs) um in 2015 juana actually got married what yeah, yeah. <laughs> i like okay. how did she find love there's, in there? there's always those weirdos that like marry serial killers yeah like, they all get married and i'm like why like yeah why why would you want to be with someone like that or i mean she's basically gonna be yeah. in jail her whole life like yeah i don't know but yeah she got married uh but one year later she got a divorce oh okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> she still had her yeah <laughs> And so in interviews, she claims that she should be free because she claims that she did not commit all those crimes. And we quote, Me acusan por 16 homicidios, pero las señoras fueron robadas y violadas. ¿En qué momento las violé yo? End quote. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's never admitting to the crimes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You're, she's already in there. Just like own up to it. Right. <laughs> embrace it, really. No, don't embrace it. But like at least own up to it. That's own yeah. up to it. Yeah. Yeah. No, she's like still denying it. And like, uh, I wish she didn't just so, like, for our own sake of knowing like what her motives were for that. Yeah. You know, like, right. What, what caused her to kill a bunch of older women? I don't understand. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, she does claim though that she was working for a lady Ana Maria. Um, Ana Maria and that she slapped her so Ana Maria slapped Juana so in return she pushed her but that Ana Maria didn't die from that so she doesn't know how Ana Maria was found dead this is probably how the how the murder started and she did yeah she that's true right? yeah maybe it did it escalated but I think yeah. she's like changed her story so this yeah. is what she's saying now oh you know? she's okay. had time to think about it I mean yeah yeah <laughs> She definitely has. She's and, never really ended up to it. She's never really talked about. Yeah. And why. Yeah. And as of now, she just sells food in prison. And oh. that's all we have on her. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was a very, like, brief overview of this case. Because this case had a lot. It, yeah. Yeah. It can go yeah. very. One super interesting about this case. So I believe she was seen by some people leaving like one of the scenes, but nobody knew it was. And she was like a manly, you know, quote unquote, manly yes. looking women. So they were looking yeah. for trans. Oh, yes. Yes that's, yes. Right. that's right. At the same time that the case was happening and they were rounding up just trans people. There was a novella and I don't remember the name of the, of the novella, but the bad person in the novella would cross dress. 
And I feel like there's something there, like playing into, you know, obviously transphobia. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. This is why they took longer in finding the person. Mm-hmm. They were looking for yeah. yeah. Rounding up the wrong people just because they, you know, were being transphobic. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So very intense case. Yeah. I don't know. I just also like the way that she was labeled, like Mata Viejitas. The name, you yeah, know? Like it's just, I mean, it's yeah, very, it's very fun. accurate. <laughs> yeah. Spot on. It's just like, Right, it's kind of funny, like like la matarijitas, you know. Yeah. Side note, um, but the names people come up for each other in Mexico and really all of Latin America. Like I'll hear my parents telling, like telling stories about their childhood friends. They literally do not know some of these people's names. They're like, yeah, yeah. el vinos, blah blah blah, and I'm like, they don't know what his name was or el no sé qué, and they're like, based on what people look like. Yes, <laughs> I think like actually that's really funny. I think yesterday. I was having a conversation with uh, my boyfriend's parents and like, you know, they were talking about that, like family friends, but their names, like, I think there's like a person named La Fresa. Yeah. Like there's know. a story to it. Yeah. yeah. It's like when you met them or like, if it's a job or, or like, like a little insider, yeah, a little insider where they're from, yeah. you know, <laughs> hilarious. So I guess in this case, you just talked about La Matarijitas, you know, yes. so <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. We really had a lot of fun. Yes, thanks for yeah, for coming on. This was great. Before before we wrap up, we always do a little spooky recommendation for the listeners. Do you happen to have any spooky recommendations? It's okay if you don't. <laughs> Wait, spooky recommendations like in one sense. Like a spooky show, spooky movie, spooky podcast, book. Anything that is spooky that anyone can consume. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, well, aside um, from your uh, podcast, <laughs> when I want to like get in a, a spooky one, and I think I, I talked about this one too. Oh, it's, yeah. It's pretty funny. It's called um, STD. It's called Scared to Death. Oh, my God. I love them. Right? Yes. Yeah. And I, I think like it's so funny how they go back and forth like with fighting with each other or like yeah. I don't know the reaction to one another. So yeah, I would say that that's a good podcast. Um I'm trying to think of a movie, but like I feel like I blank out and then as soon as like I'm stopped. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think of all these movies because I love watching like like creepy, spooky movies, you know what I mean? God dang it. Let me think. <laughs> I like I love a spooky. Uh, yeah, you, know? you do. I'm, try- I'm trying to think of like <laughs> not like the- <laughs> because lately, you know, lately I haven't really like been less, like watching a lot of stuff. What is it, it gets busy, especially <laughs> this time watched? of year. Yeah. Um, oh, I I don't know what shows you've been watching. Well, <laughs> this is like another like one that probably most people know, but if they have not, I would definitely recommend American Horror Story. Nice. I don't know. I don't know if you watch them or even like Black Mirror. Black, I, oh, I watch yes, that. Black Mirror is good. Very, I yeah. don't know. I think they're not. I like those shows because they're not so much of like just like scary, scary, scary stuff. It's just mostly like, like literally like creepy, spooky things. Yeah, like, like you're you just you're left so puzzled. Like yeah. what? Yeah. So I would I would recommend those <laughs> for sure. Like if they if they uh, do watch a uh, American Horror Story. I really like the first three seasons. After that, it gets kind of yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit weird. I try to keep up with the new one, but um, I, I don't know. I got lost with it because like all of a sudden it like switches from like vampire type things to like aliens. So yeah, I didn't really, I didn't really get that part. <laughs> Wait, no, one more sorry. <laughs> Bates Motel. It's not a it's not a creepy show, but well, I've been thinking about it. watching that. Yeah, I recommend it. Okay, okay. It's pretty cool, yeah. So my spooky recommendation this week is a podcast as well. It's called Guess Spooky. It's hosted by a married couple. I gotta pull up their names because I forget. That's funny. They're always a married couple. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yes, Guess Spooky Podcast is hosted by Kevin and Andres, two married guys sharing stories of paranormal encounters, urban legends, true crime, and other scary things from around the world. Okay, cool. Yes, it's a lot I'll of fun. Check them out. They um they do and I don't mind this as much on any of podcasts I listen to, but I know some people are super 
picky about it. They they do go on a lot of little rants, <laughs> but I like them. Oh, so <laughs> they're super funny. But yeah, it's it's really good. Ooh, okay, I'll check them out. Give them a follow. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really like the little rants sometimes. <laughs> I I do I do. They're fun, right? Before we go, anything else you guys want to add on? I don't think so. Just a big thank you again yeah. for collabing with us. It was, it was fun. Um, definitely enjoyed the uh, story from earlier today. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was. It was great um, having having <laughs> this episode. It's going to be a good one. And yeah, make sure you guys just search Cuento Crimen on whatever wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, and also, I'll include the link and in- on the show notes as well. All right. And then again, MJ's gone. So you're not going to hear her as you haven't heard her in the entirety of this episode, (laughs) except for when she said hi. (laughs) So weird. Stay spooky. We'll catch everyone next time. Bye. Bye. Shout out to our spooky supporting us on Patreon. Martin, Mariela, Cleo, Rene, Yamaris, Iris, Ghost Train, and Martown Charity. Thank you so much for your support. It means the world to us. Spooky Tales is hosted by Christina and MJ, edited and produced by Christina. If you're looking for extra ways to support the show, you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash Tales. And you can also check out our Patreon for bonus episodes and more. Go to spookytales.com slash support. But of course, you have our eternal gratitude for just listening. Stay as spooky.